Welcome to the Digging Deep ATVMX Podcast with your host, hailing from Kakana, Wisconsin, riding a CST Tires SSI decals traveling back Yamaha YFC 450R, four-time ATV Motocross National Champion, number 25. Cody Jansen. What's up, everybody? We're back. I'm your host, Cody Jansen. Welcome to episode 69 of the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast, presented by our title sponsor, CST Tires, available for purchase and in stock today at shop.csttires.com. We have another highly anticipated episode for you tonight with yet another legend of ATV racing. Mike Walsh of Walsh Racecraft is connected to so much ATV racing history, it's insane. Today, he's most known as the face of the family business, but as you'll learn, there is so much more to Mike Walsh and his story. Before becoming what we know Walsh Racecraft as today, Mike was a successful pro in his own right. Thanks to his blended passions for ATVs and engineering, and under the tutelage of his late father, who doubled as his hero, Mike organically found himself thrust into the birth of Walsh Racecraft. Listen as he tells the story of going from pro racer to building world-class quads for his competition while lining up against them, and eventually working with factory teams, fielding teams of his own, being named Mechanic of the Year, and so much more. The story you're about to hear is absolutely epic. So epic, in fact, that we had to make this a two-parter. And you're going to enjoy every single second of it right here on the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast. But before we get to Mike, you know the drill. We would like to say thank you to all of our incredible partners. CST Tires, go to shop.csttires.com today. Yamaha, thanks to Blue Crew. Thanks to Valvoline, SSI decals, DID Racing Chain, Namira Technologies, Bronco ATV and UTV components, Impact Solutions, Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply, the financial advice of Haymower Financial Group, Forworks Carbon, DP Brakes, Gripped Gloves, Factory 43, Bike Strikes and Quads LLC, Integrated Financial Concepts and their Safe to Race and Safe to Ride Insurance programs, Manscaped, get 20% off and free shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com, and we are proud to announce our newest partnership with Binky's Forever ATC Museum. If you're a listener of ours, chances are you're connected enough in the ATV industry to have seen photos of Binky Tapscott's mind-blowing collection of three and four wheelers. There's no denying Binky's passion, a passion that we can certainly relate to here at Digging Deep, so we are proud to welcome Binky's Forever ATC Museum to the Digging Deep family. We can't thank Binky and his family enough for coming on board. I mentioned Manscaped, and as much as we love the holidays, it can seem like everything but Christmas music to our ears if you're a procrastinator like myself when it comes to gift giving. Insert Manscaped and their Performance Package 4.0, which makes for the perfect gift this holiday season. This kit includes the new Lawnmower 4.0 electric trimmer that I rant and rave about every week for helping me keep a perfect beard, the best nose hair trimmer ever created, and an array of goodies including deodorant, boxer briefs, a travel bag, and more. So check out Manscaped. I wish I would have sooner. Again, if you're like me, coming up with gift ideas can be difficult, but Manscaped is a great gift to keep in mind this holiday season. And get 20% off with free shipping by using code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. 
Support all these great companies that support us. Let them know that you like us by using our discount codes. And for any products that fall through the cracks, click that Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner on our website to help us out. As we start to shift our focus to the 2022 season, we both know you need parts and gear. No matter what off-road gear or parts you need, Rocky Mountain ATVMC has you covered. But before you buy, simply click that Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner on our website. By using our specific link, we get a percentage of what you buy on the back end. So if you want to help us out, this is about as easy and convenient of a way to support us as it gets. So click that Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner at diggingdeepatvmx.com to help us out while satisfying all your gear and parts needs this off season. We can't thank you enough for that. That Rocky Mountain ATVMC link is on the right side of our homepage at diggingdeepatvmx.com and right underneath it, you'll find our new Amazon widget. So same concept. Before you buy from Amazon, simply go to our website, click that Amazon logo on the right side of the screen underneath Rocky Mountain, purchase whatever your heart desires and we'll get a percentage of what you purchase on the back end. We're all purchasing from Amazon this time of year, so use our Amazon link to help us out while you buy this holiday season. No new donors to shout out this week, but if you're interested in donating and hearing your name on the show, you can find the Patreon or Buy Me A Coffee donation links on our website, and we can't thank those of you enough who have donated. Now, it's showtime. The 30-second board is up, it's sideways, and the gate is down. Time to dig deep with Mike Walsh right here on the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast. Let's go. All right, guys. I'm absolutely stoked to sit down with this next guest. He's a legend, one of the most genuine dudes you'll ever find from his time as a, a pro racer himself to being a championship and award-winning mechanic. And of course, building some of the raddest ATVs in existence. We have so much to get into. Brought to you by DP Brakes, the world leader in centered brake technology. Visit www.dp-brakes.com. Purchase from your local dealer or message the show for their contact info today to join nearly all of the top ATV racers on the planet and trusting the high performance and impressive durability of DP Brakes. Again, that's www dp-breaks.com from Walsh Racecraft. Say hello to Mr. Mike Walsh. What's up, Mikey? Thanks so much for joining me and uh, welcome to the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast, man. Yeah, I'm pumped to be here. This is, uh, it's an honor to be on your show. You've had a lot of really uh, high-end people and uh, fast riders and, and, and champions and legends and everything that are in the show and you're you know a lot for racing and uh, and and ATVs, so I'm pumped to be here. I appreciate it, pal. We're, we work hard at it, but man, like I've been, I've been. I've been looking forward to you getting you on here for the longest time because I think um, there's a lot of things that a lot of people don't know and there's so much ATV racing history that uh, you've been a part of. Um, so before we get into all that, as we sit down for this episode right now, it's December 7th. Uh, so the, the off season is in full swing right now. Bike builds are going on everywhere. I have to imagine it's a madhouse at Walsh Racecraft, huh? It really is. And um you know, we, we've uh, we've kind of streamlined some stuff and uh, listened to the uh, some you know li- listen to our um, our customer base and uh, we're trying for our customers to do the best we can. But it's it's pretty um, it's pretty pretty busy down here. And and what's really cool is you know during the corona and all that we're able to stay going real I'd say real strong and um, now. We're, we're able to re we're, we're hiring again. And um, I, I feel like the business is really growing. I feel like we're in a transitional stage and I put a, 
I've really focused in the last three, four years since dad's passed, I've really focused on really turning up the heat with the business. And uh, it's like my new passion. I mean, it's always been my passion, but I think I'm even just much more fired up now. Yeah, that's great. I mean, uh, we know this industry did pretty well, you know, going through the COVID stuff, um, you know, but uh, yeah, like it puts people, you know, some people in a tough spot, especially like, you know, some people aren't able to get supplies and parts and whatever. Um, So to hear that, to hear that you guys, you know, got through it well, and that you're, you're in such a good place. uh, That's a great thing. Being busy is a great problem to have. And and honestly, um, you know, it, it, I can feel that like from you, you know, it felt like in years past, and we're going to get into some of that stuff. Like you had, you had a million irons in the fire, right? Like you had so much shit going on. And now it's like, man, you're just so invested in Walsh racecraft. And I love to see that because I felt for so long, you know how it is. It's like, you guys can't get parts out fast enough, you know? No. Yeah. Which, which, which again, which again is a, a good, a good problem to have. It is for sure. Yeah. So, well, Mike, we, uh, we have an endless list of things to talk about tonight. We're, we're going to try to cover as many as we possibly can here. So let's, uh, let's dive right in. Starting with, tell me about your first ATV. When did you get your first quad? Oh man, I can remember it like it was yesterday, even though I was eight, I was eight years old. And, um, bottom line is my dad, I was always, uh, he's always a hero of mine still is. And, um, I guess like most young boys, and um we uh i always he was always racing you know his drag racing he was always it was in his blood he just like you know and uh as a young kid i'm like man i need to get something to rip around on and that was like uh my passion i really wanted uh something and uh dirt wheels magazine was out uh, at the time real strong and uh man i was looking at i can i still have the i actually still have the magazine um it had a blaster on it, like a white and blue be- uh, blaster. And uh, I ended up getting uh, for Christmas when I was eight years old. Um, so if anybody, you know, you know, we're, we're talking, you know, 30, you know, years ago, you know, more, <laughs> more than more than 30 years ago. So <laughs> right. I, <laughs> I he ended up for Christmas bringing me home a, um, a TRX 125. OK, so um, with the black seat, it was an 85. Mm-hmm. Okay. 85 TRX 125. And man, I thought that thing was just, you know, I would tell my friends to go hundred miles an hour. <laughs> right. That's what I feel like. That's what every little kid does with their, <laughs> with their first quad or whatever. Um, that's yeah. awesome. Like so organic, uh, just wanting to be like dad and get into, yeah. get into something with wheels. So as I prepped for this interview, I was reading about the, the history of Walsh on the Walsh racecraft website on your website there. And there I learned that you didn't start racing until you were 16. So for all of those years in between there, uh, were you riding and just never found your way into the racing scene or how did that all go down? Uh, well, exactly. Um, you know, I had a best friend, uh, Wayne Shiflett and, uh, and, uh, uh, Josh Fakatura, you know, um, so we were, uh, you know, just some dudes from Connecticut, some kids and, uh, and we were riding, like, I mean, as much as we could ride, I mean, we rode, it was what we did, you know, um, uh, mm-hmm. Josh had a place called the Haystack, which was, pretty much just this uh, mud hole filled with hay. And, uh, you know, (laughs) we had all these trails behind, you know, all of our houses and we, we get together and we ride and uh, we, and we, and, you know, we would, we, it was, you know, and really 
I can't really describe. It was just such a passion. Mm-hmm. Um, something that I really don't have anymore, to be honest. At, I mean, I have the passion for the business, but mm-hmm. y- y- you know, you're only a kid once. You right. know, and it's, um, it's that organic love for it. Yeah, it it really is, and and a lot of people have it, and and if you're blessed enough to get to chase it, however, mm-hmm. you know those those years may last a while, and they may be very short. So, mm-hmm. I I rode and rode and rode, and and I got to be the king of the sand pit, uh, <laughs> in my mind at least. And uh, mm-hmm. me and Josh decided we were gonna. Well, actually, he twisted my arm. I wanted to. I wanted to step into dad's shoes and start drag racing. And, okay, you know, it's very expensive and stuff. And Josh yeah. is like, hey, we should go to Southwick 338, District 338. Mm-hmm. So we should go hit a track, just one race. Let's go. Let's take. So I had a, uh, so I got a 250R. Uh, at that point, I was 16. And I, I see it from the 125, I went to a 250X. And that whole 250X to the 250R, that era, Mm-hmm. was just a massive era in my life um, with uh, Curtis Sparks was involved. Uh, my dad, we, you know, we were building, I was, you know, and, and, you know, you're reading the magazines, you're seeing Curtis Sparks, you're seeing guys like, uh, you know, all the, you know, old, you know, Charlie Shepard, really, mm-hmm. you know, old school guys and Gary Denton and, yeah. you know, Doug Gust was a hero. I mean, Doug <laughs> Gust is Shit, he's still a hero. Man. I was just going to say he's still a hero, yeah. <laughs> you know, but um, so we did a lot. I actually put a 350X in that, um, I say I, well, me and dad, pretty yeah. much dad put a 350X motor in that 250X chassis, and I had Sparks, well, he had Sparks do the, uh, and it's funny because Wayne had a 250R three-wheeler, an 83 250R three-wheeler, and uh, Josh kind of dropped out of the scene uh, early, but, and so didn't Wayne, but, and, uh, but, you know, that, I just refer to my friends cause they were, they were, they were, um, you know, I, I like to have, you know, tight knit relationships and, you know, not a lot of them, but they were really close. We we're, we we're all really close. And, and yeah. And so we just, he just decided that he wanted a race and I said, uh, let's do it. So, um, we went there and <laughs> it's funny. I don't want to throw him under the bus, but we were both so nervous. I mean, and it was big back then. It was, you know, we were racing the uh, 250 C class or B class or something at 338. And there was, there was a full gate, you know, I mean, you're talking uh, 20 riders, you know, or more. And uh, I ended up finishing third. He ended up, I think, getting sick on the line. But, you know, when you're a kid and, you know, you're, it was just, it was great. And, um, uh, so anyways, um, I was hooked after that race. That was it. I was in, I, it was over. You know, I, I was just racing every, every time I could. That's crazy. Um, again, like I remember too being a kid and just, you know, wanting to ride, like uh, we rode, we rode literally from sunup to sundown. It felt like every day, right. Like for right. You know, the summer break or whatever, for three months straight, we rode all day, every day. I remember the the police being called by a neighbor because we were riding at like 6am on a, on a Sunday, you know, like that's just what we did. Um, right. yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of funny how fate goes, because if your buddy wants to drug you into this thing, like who knows, I mean, Walsh racecraft wouldn't be a thing, or at least it wouldn't be an ATV thing anyway. It, it really wouldn't. And actually he texted me today and it, it was funny. I, I mean, I just, I'm just a, 
just a dude, you know, that has a passion and went right. after it and like text me. He's like, man, you're going to be on digging deep. And he's still, you know, Josh is still a fan and he's still, he's a big, he actually did very, is doing very well in life. And, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and he texts me today and he's like, you're going to be on digging deep. He's like, you're a legend and, and all this <laughs> stuff. And, uh, it was just funny. And, uh, because, you know, we're both 44, 45 now mm-hmm. and, uh, me and him, it, I kind of, you know, it was, you know, it was definitely, he's the one, he is the one who got me into it. And, uh, and yeah, there might not be a Walsh racecraft ATV components. If it wasn't for us starting somewhere, <laughs> you got to start somewhere. Right. Exactly. You know, with your, with your dad's background in, you know, fab and uh, auto racing, I'm surprised you didn't get more into the, the drag racing world. Like you said, I mean, the getting into ATV racing probably came at just the right time, or you wouldn't have went into ATV racing. You would have went into the drag thing. And with that unique background of yours with, you know, kind of, uh, you know, watching dad and his fab and the auto stuff and watching all that, uh, that would obviously go on to fuel uh, what we know as Walsh Racecraft to this day. You know, now like Walsh is such an iconic brand at this point. Uh, like we couldn't um, imagine the sport without you. But yeah, like it all goes back to, you know, that 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 buddy twisting your arm. And uh, like I said, like with that back, unique background of yours, while loving ATV racing and riding, um I, I think at least I can pick up on like reading between the lines and some of the stuff I read on the website there um, with you also being into fab work. Uh, you know, it seemed like you were already like, you know, drawing stuff up and already like dreaming up ideas and starting to build your own stuff at a, at a young age. Am I right in saying that? Yeah. So basically, you know, just like you and everybody else, all the old school guys, at least I know, I mean, we were working on our bikes all the time, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, everybody wants to go faster. They want a smoother ride. So I was, what I did, you know, I, I kind of like drew from other industries as okay. far as drew some, drew from their drag, you know, 4130 mm-hmm. Chromali, TIG welded, drew, drew even from, uh, I mean, I like to say I, I'm, I'm very in much into planes you know and and aircraft and just drew from everywhere i could that i could that i had knowledge about and tried to bring it to atv racing and that's why our and shoot don't quote me on this but i think our slogan is something like uh best possible products bringing out the best possible rider in you sure so basically when we me and my brother and see my brother's not really i you know i mean my brother is is my heart and my mom's my heart and you know, my girlfriend and stuff and, you know, but they don't really see a lot of people see me because I'm more, I was, well, I, I haven't been at the races as much anymore, but I was, you're you know, the face, you're the face, yes. of it. you're the face. I of was it. the face. So yeah. And my brother's, I don't want to say he's the brains, <laughs> but my brother is the brains of the office. We'll okay. say. And actually I, m- many of you probably seen, some of our um our um automated equ- equipment on instagram and whatnot you know nate does a lot of the drawing and he does a lot of the uh well he does a lot of the the drawing and he does um 
And he's, he actually runs the the Bentec Dragon, uh, which okay. is really helping our company. Um, so shout out to them. Uh, it's took a while. Um, we had a lot of processes down. We got the Bentec Dragon. It's it's new, a lot of new stuff, learning new things. But um, it's really starting to really help Good. our business. So Good. Good. I always yeah, fe- way, yes. I always felt for Nate because I felt like like dealing with people sucks and it weighs on a person, you know? And uh, yeah. I always felt for Nate because I, I feel like, you know, he's always been your right-hand man from day one. Right. Um, yeah. But I don't think he has the love for it like you do. So like, the like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like when, when tough days, like when days are tough or you got a bad day or whatever, like the passion and the love can help you get through it. And for Nate, like I, I just always felt for him a little bit, like, damn, like, uh, like, like I said, like dealing with people every day is a tough thing to do. So uh, it's just awesome. Like you see that family bond and, and the family business for him to stick it out with you all these years is awesome. And that's kind of where I was going with all that. You know, it's my passion. Well, you know, it's my passion. It was me and my dad's passion. It was my passion. Mm-hmm. But, you know, my mom actually asked me a really crazy question. I took her to a little place she likes to go for okay. her birthday. And uh, she asked me. I said something to him about dad and he said, and she said, well, what have I ever brought? Uh, what have I ever brought you or inspired? I don't know. Something. It that, was sound, that, that's, like, that, that sounds like your mom, Mike. Yeah. I mean, it's mom, like you're the greatest, but this is guy <laughs> stuff. You know, right. like you brought me God, you brought me girl stuff and, you know, funny laugh jokes, stuff like that. But dad was, we had just this incredible relationship. I mean, um, that, I mean, I, I still feel, I don't really feel like he's passed to be honest. I mean, I do. And I don't, you know, I feel like this is my time to really grind, um, and show him what I can do and what, what me and my brother can do and, and what the family could do, you know, um, without him. And, uh, it's, it's, it, it, not not saying hey look what I could do without you but just to say like look what I could do and because of you uh, be, you know what I mean of, because, because of the things you yeah. taught me because yeah. of and so, think because of and thanks to him yeah like like yeah exactly like you, right you, right you wouldn't be in this position without him no hell, no no absolutely not you know they my family's made a lot of sacrifices for ATV race that's the funny thing my family's made a lot of sacrifices for ATV racing, you know, not just for, for me, but it was for my love of, of, of the racing. And my, my parents were always small business, you know, they owned a a small plaza and stuff before this, my dad was into the racing. He had a speed shop, you know, so, so yeah, the small business, but, but then what we did was we moved to Florida really combined and just kind of, um, concentrated everything towards Walsh racecraft and God bless uh, them for doing that because they didn't have to do that they could have went to the keys and drank margaritas all day you know right. but right. they hung in there with me and i think that's what they i think that's what they wanted to do you know mm-hmm. really well so. yeah yeah i mean the the family's never wavered so uh so at 16 or maybe even younger um how did you how did you like already have that, that engineering savvy? Like, did that all come from, from watching dad and just being, 
being into all, you know, kind of being a sponge to all that technology and other sports and, or uh, other, I guess, sports, but other industries. I mean, uh, how did you have that at such a young age? Well, I know you are really into football and, mm-hmm. and, and, and probably were into ball sports and stuff. And I was into ball sports. And that's why I said, I was in a ball sports. I was playing basketball. I played, uh, I played high school ball. And so I had, so ATV racing just kind of fit because I mean, you had the engineering side of it and you had the building side of it. And you also had the athleticism. You had to be an athlete to do this stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. You know? So for me, it was like the perfect combination. Um, And, and as far as the background, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. I I wasn't the, you know, the, the, the brightest bulb on the tree when it comes to uh, the schoolwork. And I knew, I knew that I was um, going to have to do something different than be a college graduate, you know, and, and, and being a college graduate, there's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's great, but there's also nothing wrong with uh, putting your, your uh, hands to use or putting just uh, creating, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, there's nothing wrong with just being an individual of what you want to do. And that's kind of like what I was in, you know, dad, yeah, you know, he, you know, we would go to like NHRA meets and we would see, you know, and, and Clay Milligan, you know, uh, bless him for continuing to stick it out with Walsh Racecraft. I mean, That's in all his so cool. success. That's, yeah, it's so cool. Yeah, it's just so sick, you know. Um, shout out to those guys. I mean, it, Clay is just probably, probably one of the guys that I look up to now more than a lot of people. He's just the way he handled the passing of Dalton. And I mean, I couldn't say enough for him, but as far as like my background, it was more, uh, <laughs> it was more like uh, the light bulb, you know, like, uh, okay, we're going to make some stuff and we're going to, we're going to test it. And I was that guy. I was okay. that test uh, a dummy kind of, <laughs> you know, I would make stuff and I would bolt it on the two fifty R could be 12 o'clock at night. And uh, we'd be out motoring the next morning, you know, and, you know, it's funny. The first set of arms are made totally made differently than now. I mean, everything about them, the way I made them, the process, everything is completely different. But I mean, I ran at a seven eighths uh, chrome ollie and, and, you know, very limited gusseting and stuff. And I, I put, took a, you know, first jump there, a banana, you know, so they folded up on me. So, I mean, most of this stuff is basically the stuff. And that's why I was so heavily into the riders. Um, I respected those guys so much and ha- tried, you know, had the relationships with Jeremy Lawson and, and is an amazing athlete, you know, and, and these people, but it was a test bed for Walsh racecraft. So yes, we knew what would probably work, but you know, and that's a, and going back a little bit, you know, with Cannondale was real strong or where they were on at their pinnacle, yep. you know, I was, I had the opportunity to go to Cannondale and I saw all the development, the testing and the little teeny devices they had made to flex apart millions and millions and millions of times before that time would, 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 would uh, before it would eventually catch a stress riser and crack or fail or bend or do whatever it was going to do. And I was like, wow, this is, this is what I want to be one day that when I saw Cannondale blew my mind. And, um, you know, but so to answer that question, it, it really is just really a passion that burns within me to do the best possible job that I could do and to make the best parts that we can, we can make. And all the, the, the all the engineering mainly came from, um, my dad's 
same thing, trial and error through his life. And sure. so when I started this passion, you know, he was 50 something, you know, um, when I, when we really started to, to build, you know, and, and sell is, uh, and, and the funny thing is, is I gotta, gotta throw out Mark Lager's name. I mean, I was at Southwick and I think Todd Viscovi, you know, bless Todd, you know, he passed a uh, good friend of mine, amazing rider. Um, but I saw one of his leggers and I had a stock friend at the time. And that's the thing. People don't really understand that it was all about aftermarket chassis, 250Rs and this sort of thing. Well, I saw the first one and I looked at it and I was in amazement. And dad's like, yeah, we could do that. So basically we went went back and you know i don't want to bl- ramble on too much so i'm gonna give the mic back to you but that's kind of kind of where that is no you're good I, I love to hear about that i mean i think that you know hearing the origin of of a company that's become so iconic in this in this sport like like walsh has to hear how it all started um without without your dad saying yeah we can do that like again like this doesn't happen yeah. which which is amazing we'll get right back to the show but now a word from our sponsors and thank you for listening to these ads without these great companies. None of this would be possible. Show your support for the people who support us. Welcome to the team two-time champ, Joel Hetrick, who dropped the biggest news of the off season when he announced his move to CST tires. The CST takeover has been gaining momentum over the past several seasons. And now Joel Hetrick and his Phoenix racing teammate, Jeffrey Rastrelli are the most recent additions. The Pulse MXR tire has helped lead riders like Thomas Brown to race wins in three consecutive Quad Cross of Nations titles, Nick Janusa to the Pro Class podium, myself Cody Jansen as I rode my Pulse MXR fronts and white label soft compound rears to back-to-back national championships in the Junior 25 Plus class, and the most recent additions have us thinking a Pro Class national championship is on the horizon for CST tires. The Pulse MXR tire, available in soft and standard compounds, offers the highest level of traction, most predictable cornering, and superior wear characteristics when compared to the competition. Visit shop.csttires.com to join the CST takeover today or prepare to be beat by someone who did. Joel Hatrick, Jeffrey Rastrelli, Nick Janusa, myself, and so many others are believers in CST tires. Are you? CST tires, where passion meets the ground. You already know we're Team Blue Crew here at the Digging Deep ATV MX podcast. Whether it's second all-time winningest, seven-time and reigning ATVMX Pro Class National Champion Chad Weenan, or six-time and current XC1 Pro ATV GNCC National Champion Walker Fowler, it's clear the podium-proven Yamaha YFC 450R is the winning choice of sport ATVs. This unprecedented success for the YFC 450R, its unrivaled quality and performance, and the undeniable fact that Yamaha is the leading OEM supporter of ATV racing, has created a Yamaha takeover within the sport quad market. Better yet, Yamaha's Blue Crew Racer Support Program is back and even stronger for 2021, meaning Yamaha riders are about to cash in on higher payouts and more prize opportunities, including a chance to win a brand new YFZ450R. For more info, head over to YamahaBlueCrew.com, follow them on social media at Yamaha Outdoors, and check out Yamaha's full proven off-road lineup at YamahaOutdoors.com today. 
For over 150 years, Valvoline has led the charge by being dedicated to constant improvement and innovation across all disciplines of racing. Valvoline has sponsored some of the greatest names in motorsports, and for the better part of a decade, I've been fortunate enough to be part of the historically great Team Valvoline. From my commuting vehicles to small engines, race quads, and everything in between, I trust nothing but Valvoline in all of my equipment. I've experienced increased function and durability as well as a longer life expectancy thanks to Valvoline's array of products and lubricants. Since 1866, Valvoline has been focused on bettering your experience, whether on road, on track, and everywhere in between. Upgrade to Valvoline today and check them out at Valvoline.com. SSI decals is a name synonymous with ATV racing, synonymous with big time success, and absolutely synonymous with the best looking decals around. An offshoot of their parent company that was established in 1947, SSI first took shape from owner Ian Harris's passion for ATVs. With what started as just making numbers and decals for riders like Chad Wienan, the company quickly took off, and today you couldn't imagine ATV motocross without SSI decals. The graphics maker and designer now supports all the top teams in ATV motocross, as well as teams and riders racing GNCC, Work Series, Pro Motocross and Supercross, Canadian Pro Motocross, Short Course Off-Road Trucks, UTVs, Snowcross, and oh yeah, six-time NHRA world champion Clay Milliken. No project is too big or too small for SSI decals, making your identity stick with championship level graphics. Head over to SSIDecals.com today and then maybe call the doctor because things are about to get sick. The Digging Deep ATV MX podcast is brought to you in part by DID in their range of championship winning chains. Powered by technology, DID chains are designed to give you the greatest strength to weight ratio, making them the optimal chain for racing and giving you a championship level edge. DID has been driving championship winning race programs since 1933, chosen by champions such as Chad Wienan, Joel Hetrick, and myself, Cody Jansen. Champion above the rest is DID's 520 ATV2 chain, with those same design principles and materials being used throughout their entire line of products, including their on-road category as well. Pick up a DID chain today at your local dealer or reputable online e-tailer. DID what drives you. We are proud to be partnered with Numira Technologies. Since 2001, Numira has led the charge in the ATV and side-by-side -side market, covering more applications than anyone else in the industry. Numira's advanced piston technology uses a NASA-exclusive aluminum alloy that helps to reduce expansion rates, that allows for tighter tolerances, and leads to higher overall engine performance for your machine. For more information about Numira's wide offerings of pistons, rings, gaskets, and industry-leading top-end repair kits, visit your local dealer or online at www.numira.com. Numira Technologies, pistons with an attitude. We are pleased to be partnered with Bronco ATV and UTV Components, Bronco has been an industry leader in replacement hard parts and accessories for all makes and models for over 15 years. With a catalog that includes a full line of electrical components, engine internals like rods and cylinders, all the way down to suspension parts and bearing kits. Bronco is your hard part source for whatever you need for whatever you ride. Available exclusively through distributors around the world. Visit your local dealer or online at broncoatv.com. 4Works Carbon's innovative lightweight products include top-notch seat covers, carbon fiber, and plastic hoods gas tank covers, exhaust shields, shock guards, and much more. Whether you have an ATV, UTV, or snowmobile, 4Works has the goodies that will improve your ride and make you salivate. We trust 4Works for increased function and a sexier look, and you should too. 4Works Carbon, always working hard to bring high quality and innovative parts to the market. Check them out today at fwcarbon.com. So at what point did, did Walsh Racecraft 
take shape as a, as a business and kind of become a focus for you and your family? Tell me about that. All right. So I'm going to tell you exactly how that happened. Um, I had built a chassis and it was in 4130 Chromali. It was, it was not painted or anything. So you could see the welds and, and everything like that. And I had um, ventured into the pro class and um, I had, uh, I had built that chassis. We're at frozen ocean in New York. It was a huge event. I mean, you had, you had this Canadian champion. I forgot what his name was at the time. You had John Natale. You had, you had some big names, Tim Farr, Shane hit, uh, running real good back then. And this was a long time ago. Uh, okay. I was there and PJ Chesson was there and Travis Spader's mechanic, Izzy Beauregard was there. And, um, I had the bike park next to, uh, my dad's truck and, uh, PJ Chesson, his dad, Pete Chesson, who passed, which is, I give, actually, I always say if it wasn't for Pete Chesson, there would be no Walsh racecraft. So basically Pete came up to the truck and looked at the bike and said, this is so, and he was a big time, uh, circle car guy, big time sprint car guy. And PJ at the time was real fast. And, uh, he was, uh, turning all the heads and whatnot and they were, um, really doing well. And, uh, he asked me point blank, are you building these things or not? If you are, I'll take two. Here's a deposit. And that's (laughs) how I I went into my truck and I looked at my dad. I mean, Christ, Christ, I was, uh, I was 18 years old. So, um, (laughs) I said, what am I going to do, dad? He's like, I don't know. What are you going to do? You can do it. Nah, he wanted me to be a pilot. Okay. So I was taking flight lessons when I was 13 years old. Right. Okay. Don't be, a lot of people probably don't know that. And I, I sold it on my 16th birthday. So he wanted me to be a pilot because he didn't want me to have to work as hard as he did. Okay. And, you know, so, but it wasn't in me. It wasn't who I was, you know? Um, hey, so, you, found, you found your purpose through a guy, right. you know, saying, hey, you know, right. I, I want to buy these things. Yeah. So he said that and uh, we went to work. So that- I went to work and I, and Wayne Shiflett helped me. Um, and it was in my in the back of my dad's shop. He had, my dad had a shop where he kept his drag car and whatnot. And it was a it was a beat up place. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, we've always been kind of roughnecks, but um, <laughs> <laughs> and we were in there and we were throwing tubing around. And uh, man, I wanted to build them. I just wanted to build them like the most beautiful chassis they ever seen. You know, so these chassis took. I mean, we're talking like four months a piece and that was when I didn't have any work so um <laughs> I built one for him and I built one for Travis Spader it oh, was wow. through Izzy Beauregard and uh and that was the first publicly sold Walsh chassis yeah so the the first and I and I, again I read a little bit about this on the on the site because um I had I had learned that your first customer purchased a, a couple of 250R frame kits like you just told us and went on to win a, a 250A national championship aboard that Walsh racecraft built ride. Right. That's right. how the story goes. Yeah. That was, P, that was PJ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So after that, PJ went sprint car racing and he actually won the Kings Royal and he won, he won, he went Indy car racing. He qualified for the Indy 500. So, and the only reason I say this is because these that's involved with AT racing, they need to know that, that, they need to know this stuff because there, there, there is some big, there is some, you know, and, and everybody is, and everybody, you know, and, and everybody is equal, you know, under, under God and, and everything like that. But there, and I truly believe all that, but there, there is some, there was some major heavy hitters involved with the development of, of ATV racing. 
Oh, for to, sure. You know, to, yeah. to get, get where it is. I mean, Wayne Henson, I mean, Wayne Henson has helped me out. Wayne Meridian from PP. I mean, this whole thing is a family, you yeah. know, and, and, um, and, you know, I, I'm into drag bike racing and, and that's a family too. You know, I, I was just at the man's cup and I love to go up there because I get ideas. I'm like, Oh my God, look at all the stuff these guys are making. I'm like, I need to bring this to quad racing, mm-hmm. you know? So I go up there and get ideas and, you know, it's, you know, and you know, it, it saddens me that I lost one of my right-hand men, um, years, a few years back, uh, due to, I really don't know, but, um, we had, we had a separation. It kind of, kind of set, set, it kind of set Walsh racecraft back a little bit, mm-hmm. but then it really just boosted us and, and we took off. So sometimes, you know, losing things that you thought you could never live without is sometimes a good thing. You know, it, it makes you more of a man and it, it brings you, you know, it just, it, it, sometimes you just need a good, you just need to grow. And it was, a, it was, a, it was, a, it was, a, it was a, a spot in my life where I grew mm-hmm. and, and um, you know, but, you know, so we have had, I have, what I'm trying to say with all this is I have had some really, good people in my life if this is not just me mm-hmm. um is not close to being just me i mean yes i'm the passion behind mm-hmm. it but there's a lot of people who have really ha- have really put a lot of heart and soul into the into walsh racecraft right. not only the riders other you know different people yeah the people behind the scenes more that uh right yeah that don't that don't get the notoriety but yeah i think I think there's so much to touch on there. I mean, whether it be, uh, whether it's, you know, as an athlete, as a, as a a business person in your personal relationships or whatever it is, uh, the kind of the saying that I've always went by to kind of get you through the crappy times are, you know, you can't appreciate, like we need the crappy times to appreciate the good ones and, you know, adversity, you know, that's probably the athlete in us, Mike, that when you got your back against the wall, like that's when you have to perform. So in a business sense too, like, you know, you find yourself in a position where you got to grind to get back to where you want to be like, Hey, bet against us, you know, bet against us. We'll make it happen. Um, that that's kind of where my, my mind goes to. Um, but that's awesome to hear. Awesome to hear about all of that stuff and how it started and where you are now. So, uh, 1998, I think is when, is when, you know, you guys kind of hit the ground running there with selling those first machines and stuff. And by 99, you kind of already touched on this, um, with Spader, but in 99, 2000 ish, you're already working with Harold Goodman on the development of a 250R based uh, YZ 400F powered hybrid. So that's almost right away uh, in the development of Walsh Racecraft. And that was basically to compete against Corey Ellis in that Legger hybrid that we heard so much about a couple episodes back when Corey joined the show. Yeah, Corey, man. Corey's an amazing racer and friend, actually. Um, Man, when I went out to California for pace, we had some good times. Um, amazing rider. Uh, <clears throat> ton of talent there. Also mm-hmm. still in the sport. And, um, yeah, so Goodman was at the top of his game. I mean, Harold Goodman, both, all the Goodmans are, are very, very close to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously now I don't talk to them much anymore, but – they have always been great people and helped Walsh racecraft a lot with our success. And the one thing was, was that quad that kind of kicked it off for us when it didn't kind of kick it off. It pretty much 
did kick it off. And that was when Harold rolled up to the shop with the, um, the YZ 400 mm-hmm. F and what we did. And, you know, we were able to take that and, 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 and Mr. Goodman and Harold are both very knowledgeable people uh, when it comes to racing. And uh, <clears throat> we, we developed that quad and, and that was a work of art in my time. That was a long time ago. And, um, and he went out and had huge success. He raced um, also Doug Gust on a, uh, you guys are going to laugh, but it was on a, uh, a 400 EX and he was very fast on that 400 EX and Harold ended up, ended up winning that championship, I believe. Um, well, I know. And that was a big, a big deal for us. Um, oh yeah. With that quad, because what that did for the sport and a lot of, and, and, and I look at that era of hybrid hybrids as I look at it as such a huge era. And I think that's just because for me, it was a huge era, but looking back on everything, it was very, it was actually a very small time mm-hmm. with the four strokes um, in the 250-yard chassis and stuff, and, but it was my favorite time. Yeah, so that was, um, yes, like it was a very short-lived period, but I think it's one that, I mean, we we talk about it on every show, like that's one that, that so many people are just infatuated with, and I found this quote during my research, um, and it's very much in line with the conversation that we had with Corey. But you guys, groups like Walsh and, and Leger, um, you know, kind of kind of with the conversation we had with Corey, you really paved the way for the four-stroke phenomenon that was uh, that was looming. Well, we did for sure. Um, and I say we we as a whole, you know, Wayne Henson, Tom Carlson, yep. Shane Hit, all, all these big time people that that um, that really Wayne Meridian, because people don't even know it, but we were working on, we were working on CR 250 powered two strokes too. And I built one for Wayne. I built one for Goodman and, you know, things, things like this, but yeah, that, that didn't work because the, 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 the counter, the, the non counterbalanced engine would not work in a four wheeler chassis successfully. Sure. Um, If I, I witnessed, uh, well, Harold was testing and he snapped the tie rod right in half because the harmonics coming out, it, it was oscillating the rod. Yes. Um, like five or six inches and it snapped. Oh my so, gosh. You know, it, was going, it was like whipping the rod around, um, trying to get out of the chassis. So, okay. yeah. So anyways, we got to the four stroke stuff and, and that was just amazing because it really helped. It actually helped me a lot personally Mm -hmm. as a racer and that's that was like that was the biggest advancement i ever saw is when we put that crf in that uh low chassis we built a tall one for shane hit and you know that's a whole story and i actually listened to shane's podcast and and he talks about when when we did that we cut the florida and we were down there and shane's like why couldn't we make that frame rail removable well, that was what we were known for for a long time was that CRF with that removable frame rail. And that happened, you know, that just happened in like 10 minutes. We're like, oh, yeah, that, yeah, we could do that. So we went home, went to the drawing board um, and we made that happen, you know, and uh, and it was awesome. And then that chassis, that bike, I mean, you can even talk to people today and they I got a picture hanging up in the shop of mine. But that bike was the bike. That's. That's like your favorite. The, that's your that baby. The, that was the Chad Wien and Yamaha. 
Yeah, okay. that was yeah, that was the Chad Wheaton Yamaha of before. Okay. So um it was a great it was it was just great. Easy to ride, easy to go fast on, plenty of power, handled great, everything. That's that's what you so. that's the perfect combo. Um so around, you know, you're basically in the early two thousands era um right now in the conversation so what's your personal racing career looking like in the year 2000 like are you are you racing pro at that point tell me about that oh yeah um yeah i was racing pro and um you know with me you know shane likes to say stuff on instagram that tries to embarrass me and <laughs> you know, I mean, these guys, I mean, you got to realize we're racing against Tim Farr, Shane Hitt, Doug Gus, Travis Spader. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Just great names, great riders. Joe Bird. Mm-hmm. I mean, who can forget Bird? Um, <laughs> you know, all those guys, um, you know, and, and my personal career looked like I wanted to keep racing. I loved racing. Yep. And, but I had, a, I had in the back of my mind that at some point, I was going to have to support this, this family, um, this family business venture. And that was just who I was. That was my calling. So I knew I wouldn't race forever. Um, but I wanted to do a good job while I was racing. And, and I, I would have, I had a lot of people supporting me as a racer, which was, which was, um, which made you feel great. I mean, I tell, I tell Beth, my girlfriend now I say, you know, I say, I say nothing can replace, you know, sitting, you know, at, at, at in Anaheim and, and you know, mm-hmm. on the gate, at, you know, on the gate next to the best guys in the country or, or Montreal Supercross, you know, nothing can re- replace, nothing even comes close. I you're, hate to say that people don't understand this. Well, you're like, like a, you're like, like a gladiator, right? Like, especially yeah, in your, in your area right. racing in those stadiums yeah. against the greatest guys ever. Yeah. You're like, a, you're like a gladiator in the, in the it was cathedral. Just amazing. The feeling. Yeah. And I guess most, I'm sure everybody gets the same feeling, but you feel you're on top of the world. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't touch on drugs and stuff, but like, you know, that's, sure that's, that the nat- that's, that's the natural high that drugs right. are chasing. I'm not, you right. know, I'm, I'm proud to be, you know, drug and alcohol free too. Uh, but the, but the, that's what people are chasing is that feeling. That's how amazing they that are. feeling you is. You, yeah. You can't replace it. You, you maybe can, you maybe can, you maybe can find something they're chasing, to do. They're chasing it. That, yeah. That, yeah. That, yeah. But man, that, those days were just, yeah, I mean, you you prepped all week, you prepped all year, you prepped, you know, you prepped your whole life to get to that, to that, you know, to that spot in time where you're on the gate and you get a chance to win a moto or something mm-hmm. or to, you know, yeah, it's yeah. just, I'm sure, you know, all these sport, these athletes and stuff, they all go through the same stuff. But man, it was, it was a great, it was, it was the most unforgettable moments of my life. That's awesome. Um, was actually on the line um, racing. Uh, those events. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the, like, like you said, there's no replacement for that feeling. Um, kind of that anxious anticipation is what all of us live for, you know? So uh, I love that, <laughs> love that feeling so much, but uh, I'm stoked to touch on that too, because I think that, you know, so many younger people nowadays probably don't remember how gnarly you were as a rider. So I'm glad like we're touching on that. And you, I think it was 2002, you won the NEA TV pro title, right? Yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was, I was doing real well in district 34 and NEA TV. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if I, I'm sure I won, but I don't know if I won, but I would win a lot of races. I was, I was, I mean, you gotta, you gotta realize though, I, you might not have heard this name in a long time, but Joe Havisto. Oh yeah. Havisto. Yeah. Oh man. He came, I mean, he was super fast, just super fast, you know, unreal. He, he became just a monster rider. I mean, one year at Southwick with the best names in the business, Jeremiah Jones. I mean, you know, nobody, could, nobody yeah. was as fast as Jeremiah. He went by everybody yeah. at Southwick. I mean, yep. John Natale, all the, you know, Joe, Br- he was gone. And that was on a, uh, that was on a uh, Walsh CRF 450. Okay. Um, hybrid. So, okay. I remember, I remember posting about that because yeah, it's a, it's one of those things that we don't get in our sport very often. Um, you know, you sometimes see it in, in like motocross, like pro motocross racing, where like a local guy, you know, comes out and does really well at, at the local track that he's able to, you know, practice at, um, on the regular, but yeah, like Joe Haviso, I think he did that in Oh three. Um, but yeah, I knew that you had, had, you know, been super successful up there. Um, I was going to ask who you were racing back then. Um, but yeah, like Havisto racing him on the regular was obviously a huge thing, tough thing to do. Um, and, and I guess that would have probably been your biggest accomplishment to that point. We'll get into what, uh, happened in 2003. You had a notable ride there, a couple of them, but, uh, that had to have been, you know, your most notable ride to that point, I would think. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, here's, here's the, the ride that really got me excited was they had an invitation to come to Southwick and I was fast at Southwick and okay. I knew the track Okay. and Doug Gus showed up and Doug, you know, it, it was the Darren Nakarado Memorial. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Max. Okay. And yep. All the big boys were there. Well, the first moto of the qualifier, I ran away with it. And, okay. and, uh, and Doug got second. And I was, I was, I was just so happy about that. Okay. That's, <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Um, yeah. And especially in that time period, people weren't beating Gus. So to do that, uh, that'll definitely put you on the map in that. So that same year, so that uh, you won that title, any ATV in 2002, same year on the business side, you just touched on Digger. You you worked with Digger to develop that iconic, you know, 250R based DRZ 400 powered hybrid that's so legendary. And what we know now is that helped attract the the support of Factory Suzuki. So you were a big part of that. Yeah, I was. It, you know, Tom Carlson, Wayne Henson, Doug Gus. Oh, you know that that crew right there. Um, that bike, I we built that, and 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 Doug Gus. I and I and don't quote. Don't quote me, but I believe it was the first electric start bike uh, ATV ever to win a pro motocross. And it was the first four stroke ever to win. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, and that's a, a huge, and I've heard, and this is a not, and don't quote me on this, but I have heard that they used that in the development of Suzuki used that bike in their ATV development. Let's just call it that. Yeah, I think that that I think that yeah, I think that you're right. I think I've heard that. I think that Doug kind of told us that same thing. Um, I think you can clearly connect the dots there. So plot twist, Mike Walsh Racecraft played a role in the end of the hybrid pro class era and helped usher in the factories and their production base quads in years to come. Mike, that's wild. I would have never guessed. 
Yeah, yeah, that that that, that is wild. Um, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so did did that Suzuki connection? Uh, you know, because you were you know you were obviously uh, part of that you know kind of that build. You were part of that with Digger. Um, did that Suzuki connection have anything to do with you riding a Z four hundred and 03? or was that simply because the of the the pro production class and then that whole deal? No, that was simply because of the pro production class. Uh, it was funny because. Um, we, we, we wanted to work heavily with the Suzuki team, mm -hmm. but Doug roll, um, a friend of mine, yep. a, a actually a person I look up to, especially when I was a kid. Okay. Um, he actually had that, uh, he had that deal. It was uh roll design, the Z 400 roll design roll mm -hmm. was huge back. He, he, him and IMS made a huge, a huge push back then. And, um, they were they were connected with that whole deal, but with with me, the Z four hundred was the clear choice for the championship mm -hmm. chase, I believe. Yep. Then, yeah, because that was when that was when production that was when pro production. You see, and that was really cool. You had pro production, and then you had pro. Mm -hmm. Well, pro you could run the hybrids, you the two strokes, the four strokes, whatever you want. Pro mm -hmm. production, you had to run what the, what the manufacturer was making. Mm -hmm. and, and that's when that year, 2003 was when you came out and you ended up winning the, the pro production championship on the TT side. So that has to be, I mean, that has to be, you know, like if you type in, you know, Mike Walsh ACV and you're looking up pictures of, you know, your ACV racing career. Um, I feel like, like it's 10, it's, it's 10 to one TT pictures. I don't know if it's just from that title or whatever it is. Um, but that, that was a huge accomplishment for you to win that, that pro production TT title in all three. That's huge. That was huge for me. And that bike just works so good. And Curtis oh. Sparks had that motor running. It was an animal. Oz, okay. And, and Shane had one in the, you know, it was, it, that bike just worked great. I don't know. It's just some of them, you know what I mean? You get that golden, you know, mm -hmm. I know Chad's program is so, is so methodical. It's, you know, it's so dialed in. All of his bikes are the same. Everything's great, you know, but yeah. back then, you know, when this, this learning curve was going on, you didn't, every bike didn't work great. You know, <laughs> some worked great, some didn't. Right. That was a good one for me. And mm -hmm. I won a lot of motos on that. And I was able to, uh, I was able to win that. And that was it. It was a huge accomplishment, but a lot of people don't, a lot of people don't even know I rode, but a lot of people don't really know <laughs> that I had a huge TT background and I'm not a really small person, mm -hmm. um, like six, two, you know, back then I was probably 185, 180, yep. but, um, you know, Shane, he was uh, real, <laughs> he was not that big and he was unarguably the, <laughs> the fastest man ever on TT, you know, Harold yeah. was real fast far was real fast I mean, there's a lot of fast guys keith little was real fast yep. but you know but but um but but uh but shane was really fast and um so originally you know, uh, shane a lot in, yeah. in that yeah so originally from connecticut moves to florida i would have thought you would have been a you know a, a sand rider prim primarily and you said you were good at southwick and stuff but for whatever reason um you know i've always known that you were a strong tt guy didn't know necessarily where that came from with your background but you were definitely a, a, a you know a, a tt kind of connoisseur yeah i i really i really liked racing tt it was very high intensity mm -hmm. and um it was really, it was very high intensity. It was really, really tight racing. And, and it really wasn't about 
you know, Shane made a comment. It really wasn't about who was in the best shape. I mean, you had to be in shape, but mm-hmm. see, motocross is a whole different level. Motocross, pro motocross is a whole different level. I yeah. mean, you know, it's some people can go fast for a lap or two, but you know, um, you know, pro pro uh pro motocross so you didn't have to put the training in on the tt you could have a little bit of talent and you could have a good bike setup and i think that that helped me out just understanding how the chassis worked weight distribution things like that just trying to be one step ahead uh and having a lighter atv Mm -hmm. than the next person and putting that development to that yeah so i think it, it it helped i think the bike helped Slightly more than it does in motocross to a degree. Okay. If you can understand that. Yeah, that actually it totally makes sense as you started to say it because, yeah, like TT, um, I, I love TT, but TT is so much about, you know, hitting your marks and being precise, uh, so much different than, you know, top tier motocross where you just have to be gnarly. Um, but yeah, like that part makes sense that knowing your setup and being good with setup, which is so important in TT, we just heard about it with Shane. And I know that from my dad's background racing TT and flat track. Um, but yeah, that actually makes so much sense with your, with your, you know, engineering background and building this stuff, knowing how it works, that you would be a, a good TT rider. That makes so much sense. As the number one podcast in ATV racing, it's only right that we partner with the industry leaders in suspension tuning. Insert Impact Solutions. Impact Solutions is a full-service ATV and side-by-side suspension center specializing in the revalving and service of your motocross and off-road suspension. With over 25 years of elite-level knowledge, experience, and testing with riders of all ages and ability levels, Casey Greek, Jay Goebel, and the Impact crew strive to exceed clients' expectations for service and setup. Impact Solutions is the official Elka Suspension Service Center of the United States, offering unmatched product knowledge and experience. Whether you're in need of service, parts, warranty, sales, or technical support, Impact Solutions has you covered. Head over to impactsolutionsatv.com or give them a call today. We interrupt this program for a special news bulletin. The following message is brought to you by manscaped.com. The Manscaped engineering team has outdone themselves this time, creating the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, now available for purchase in the U.S. and Canada. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, an official sponsor of the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast, with this exclusive offer of 20% off and free worldwide shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. I'm one of the first people to try the new 4.0 and I am blown away. This thing is next level. What sets this trimmer apart from all the rest? The Lawnmower 4.0 gives you the ability to turn the LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. It features a new multi-functioning on-off switch with travel lock for those of us who like to travel. And my favorite, the new trimmer allows you to customize your trim with four different guard lengths and upgrade from its predecessor that only featured two. If you're listening, you know that good tools are a must, so wait no more to get the best tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using code DIGGINGDEEP20. The Digging Deep ATVMX podcast is also sponsored by DP Brakes, a longtime supporter of ATV racing and the world leader in centered brake technology. DP has been dominating the ATV world for decades, supporting the best four-wheeled racers on the planet. 
2021's impressive lineup includes Joel Hetrick and Jeffrey Rostrelli of the Phoenix Racing Team, myself, Cody Jansen, and my back-to-back -back national championships, Baldwin Motorsports, Ford Brothers Racing, Nick Janusa, Wesley Wolf, and many more, including all of the top 14 GNCC Series pros, led by the champ Walker Fowler, Bryson Neal, Cole Richardson, Jared McClure, and Chris Borich. These top riders continue to appreciate the high performance and impressive durability that their DP brakes have to offer, products that ultimately help place them on the top of the podium. Available at www.dp-brakes.com, purchase at your local dealer, or message the show for their contact info today. What are you waiting for? Join the best ATV riders in the world on DP Brakes. 15 years into the brand's existence, Factory 43 is back with us and continuing to make huge waves in the ATV world. For the second consecutive season, Factory 43 is the official aluminum parts choice of the Phoenix Racing ATV team, providing their state-of-the-art Evo Nerf bars, MX-style front bumpers, and grab bars for some of the fastest riders on the planet. If you're in the market to upgrade your Nerf bars, bumpers, or grab bars, head over to factory43atv.com to see their full line of products available for all makes and models. Want to be just like Joel Hetrick and Jeffrey Rostrelli riding with Factory 43's industry-leading products? Head over to factory43atv.com today. Success in the ATV MX world is similar to what creates financial success as well. The right people, the right advice, and more importantly, hard work and the benefit of an ongoing relationship as situations change and adversity is experienced. Do you have the right financial advisor to help you reach your goals? Haymower Financial Group can create a personalized, goal-based plan to help your family prepare for whatever life brings. Call me, Scott Haymower, at Haymower Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, at 920-338-8150. That's 920-338-8150. Offices located in beautiful De Pere, Wisconsin, with registrations and clients nationwide. Transitioning out of the TT thing, correct me if I'm wrong, but at Bud's Creek that year, 2003, you probably or might have experienced the, the career highlight for you as a racer when you finished on the podium in Moto 1 behind Gustin Jones. Doug Gus, Jeremiah Jones, and Mike Walsh were the top three in Moto 1 that day. Tell me about that race, because that has to be, you know, an it's obviously an incredible feat. That's got to be a career highlight for you. It's definitely a career highlight. It's probably, it was probably my best moto yeah. um, in reality. I mean, because it was outdoor motocross. Mm -hmm. It was gnarly. I went the distance. Um, really, and, and I really, I can't emphasize this enough, but confidence in your equipment and confidence in yourself is a huge part of motocross. And I was at a high, I had, I started working with a, a gentleman, um, Columbia Motorsports was helping me, Kyle Champagne. And, um, you know, I had, I had a, a, a really, I had a guy that believed in me and, um, and he, and we were doing, you know, he, he started coming to races with me. And my dad started to stay home because he had business and this and that. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so, um, so he was coming to the races with me and, and he was giving me some, he was giving me some confidence um, just from working with me. And that, I think that's where I learned how to work with the riders, the successful riders that I had out of Walsh Racecraft. I think because of, of me working you know, working with him, it, it helped me. And so that moto, 
I, I really, I really, I, I could do, I, I, would, I felt confident on the track. I felt confident with all the jumps. I, I knew I had a good bike. I knew I had good suspension, you know, and, you know, and, uh, you know, I had Jeff in my corner, uh, you know, who's pit, pitting for me and wrenching on the bike. The bike was good. And I just felt good. And I got, you know, I got a good start. And I said, you know what, Mike, this is, this is your turn to show that you can ride one of these things. So I gave it everything I had. Keith Little at the end was just all over me. I was, I was done. Uh, but I was, I, I made it. And, and, you know, with, with two, you know, with Doug Gust up there and Jeremiah up there, I mean, arguably two of the best people ever to ride a four wheeler mm-hmm. and, and me finished the third in that moto. Um, it was great. Uh, it was awesome. It was, it was not given to me. I rode it. I made it happen. I didn't back it up so well in the second moto, but it was okay with me because like I said, I wasn't necessarily there to win. Mm-hmm. I was really there to just do my best and to develop my product. And mm-hmm. I wasn't there to, to get in any gnarly, um, you know, crashes or, or, or take anybody out or getting any points battles. You know, mm-hmm. I, yes, I was racing. I was doing my best, mm-hmm. but like I said, I also had, a lot of the people riding my parts. So yeah, yeah. even if Doug won, yeah. it was a win for me. Right. Really. Yeah. Which is actually awesome uh, that you were able to do that and kind of have that mentality. Like um, sounds like you were able to enjoy it. I mean, having somebody believe in you and confidence and all those things is such a huge, you know, a huge boost, um, you know, when you're going racing, but yeah, like to be able to have all, all these guys using your products and, uh, and then also be out there as a racer and enjoy it that way is such an awesome combo. And to think that, you know, this ride, when you, you know, podiumed, um, a moto like that to do it with, you know, Doug Gust and Jeremiah Jones, two of the most iconic riders ever to do it with those guys is, is pretty special. So, so to have that memory for you, I mean, that's invaluable. How many guys can say that they podiumed, uh, a, a pro moto, let alone with two legends. So that's awesome. Um, how long did you continue to race professionally after that then Mike, because obviously Walsh is, you know, gaining momentum at this point, how much longer did you race professionally? Well, um, so I basically, uh, threw in the, threw in the towel, like, uh, Oh, four. Okay. Four ish. I guess you would say. So so shortly there. So shortly thereafter ish. Well, yeah, because, you know, because when I was a kid, I had, um, you know, dreams and then, you know, realities took over Mm -hmm. and honestly, Honestly, I hate to say this because I talk to Chad now. Chad's a good personal friend of mine and somebody I actually admire a lot. Yeah. And you know, Chad said Chad still has the drive <laughs> to win. And it's oh. not fake. It's real. And he has a family. He has kids. Mm-hmm. He does so much. Um juggles it all. And, and and he has a great support group, but but Chad is 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 one of those people you know and 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 for me a moto like that man I, I hate to say it but that lasts a lifetime for me you know it was I didn't really need like I did it and, and yeah I wanted a race while I was at the top of my game but I knew that it was enough for me mm-hmm. you know I did have some great rides you know after that but but shortly thereafter like you said I, I hung it up so, uh, so 
you know, you didn't have necessarily the, the passion for, you know, racing every weekend or whatever, but did some of the uh, decision, um, you know, was some of the decision made with a want to focus solely on Walsh racecraft? Was that part of the, the decision? Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. I mean, I knew my talents, my, I knew my, my true talents were, were at the welding bench. Okay. You know, that's where I could bring the more, I could bring the sport more and I could bring it for more years. Mm-hmm. I could bring it for a lifetime mm-hmm. where, where the racing, I knew even if I was the best, I, it would still come to an end. But with the, with the product line that could go on for generations. Mm-hmm. So I knew in my mind, not, not downgrading any of these athletes, they're amazing. But in my mind, it, it it was more about the big picture for me. Yeah. What what I could bring to the sport. Right. I mean, yes, like yeah. your your impact could be much broader uh, right. with, with what you brought through Walsh Racecraft. That totally makes sense to me because I'm a guy who, and I've said it on the show before, you know, as a racer, um, this is, I mean, totally different things, but kind of the same at the, at, at the same time, because as a racer, I got to a point where, um, you know, like I was like, what am I doing this for? Like, I love the sport, but what am I doing this for? Who's benefiting from me doing this? Who cares about what I'm doing? And all of a sudden I fall into, you know, doing this radio show and it's doing a ton of great things for the sport. People really enjoy it. I've had countless people say to me that they're back, you know, loving and into the sport and riding again because of listening to us talk about old racing stories and, you know, the love for it that we have and all this stuff. So uh, I can totally relate to what you're saying and that obviously was the right decision at that point Mike because Walsh Racecraft went on a went on an incredible run at that point because you know Doug Gus using uh Walsh products on his factory Suzuki ride in 04 he dominates the field on his way to that title and listen to what followed you know Joe Bird went back to back in 06 and 07 using your products Chris Boric won six consecutive GNCC championships on Walsh stuff from 09 to 2014 and And that obviously uh, pretty much gets us into the dominance of, you know, this Wienan and Hetrick era that we're now in with those guys being aboard Walsh products throughout that time. So talk about an incredible run. And uh, I guess, I I mean, what that leads me to is asking you, like, does it ever hit you when you look down the line and there's such an overwhelming Walsh presence? Like, holy shit, man, like I could have never imagined the impact I would have. And and you go to a track and, you know, there's probably more Walsh products there than any, than any, you know, competitors uh, at an ATV national. What does that feel like for you? That just has to be amazing. Yeah, I love it. Um, I love it. And that's, that's kind of what I do it to. I'm a, I'm a people pleaser um, to a certain degree. I'm not a, I, I love to see people, you know, just riding their heart out, you know, mm-hmm. and, and having a good time and being safe, having good equipment mm-hmm. and um, getting to fulfill their passion, maybe with their family, their mom, their dad, you know, and meeting these families. And to see that, I mean, it, it's great. I mean, working with Chad and Joel is amazing. Joel super talented. Um, Josh Creamer, I'm one of my personal friends. I didn't even tell you guys that story. I mean, I got stories and stories and stories, but like, um, you know, Josh, you know, not, probably nobody even really knows this stuff. But when I was okay. phasing myself out of racing, 
Josh was just getting into racing yeah. and we, and he lived right next to me, 15, 20 minutes. Okay. So we started riding in a local sand pit together and I'm like, Oh my God, that, he's one of the reasons why I decided to stop racing because, <laughs> <laughs> because I'm like, this dude's riding some clapped out Yamaha YFZ. I'm on my hybrid or I don't, I think I was, I don't, maybe I was on sure. another Yamaha, but I'm sure. like, this guy's just as fast as I am. And I'm a seasoned you know, I've been doing this my whole life. This dude comes out of nowhere and he is, he has just got something. I knew he had something. And right away I was, a, I was a Josh Creamer fan. Josh actually worked at my shop building a arms. Probably not many people know that one. Okay. Um, so, I mean, it goes on and on. I have personal relationships with a lot of these riders and, and, you know, personally, not just relationships, but friendships that last forever, Yeah. you know, and, that's awesome. and, and so seeing those people on the line is, is, is awesome and building those friendships and bonds with 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 the riders and, and the people involved in the sport. Mm -hmm. And just like you said, you know, I, I want to touch on that, how you said, you know, you took your passion, you turned it into the show. Yeah. I mean, that's what it's all about, man. I mean, mm -hmm. some people might be like or, or actually I had a personal feeling in myself that, you know, I was quitting or I was stopping or I wasn't holding up. I wasn't holding myself. I wasn't. But you know what? when you have a desire, when you have something pulling at you to shift gears, mm -hmm. that's that rev limiter, you know, right. when that rev limiter is on, you got to pull the next gear. Yeah. And by you doing that, that is admirable. Yeah. Well, in, in, um, kind of touching on that, you know, for so many people, whether it's this sport or, or, you know, some kind of athletic or whatever it is, um, the reason why people have a tough transition from being an athlete or a professional athlete into the next stage of their life is because for some people, there's no translation. You know, when you stop being an athlete or whatever, um, you can't, some of that just, you can't bring to your next profession. That's why, you know, you have athletes that go on to be real estate agents or, you know, God knows what, and for you or for even what I'm doing with digging deep, like everything, like my whole life, like the culmination of everything I've ever done, lived, experienced, uh, you know, all that stuff helps me in these conversations. It helps me, you know, create conversations that people want to listen to. Same with you. It's awesome. Like that's what everybody dreams of is having, uh, something, all the experience that you had. So your first life as a racer, and then being able to bring all of that into Walsh Racecraft as your profession for the rest of your life. Like that's what everybody dreams of, you know, that's a blessing. Yeah, it is. And I agree. And I agree with, with, with everything you're saying and, 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 and do it. And I do want to touch on one thing, you know, I, I have watched your show and I, I, I am very impressed with your show. You have a sick show. Like, um, and it's probably your background, you know, your father, your, your racing background, your heritage, all that. And just, but, but let's not even just touch on that. Let's touch on your vocabulary and, and, and your, your dialect and how you deliver things. And, um, and it was funny. <laughs> this is kind of funny when you first doing the show, you, you turn the recorder on and you started doing all that. I thought that was recorded, <laughs> but you're sitting there doing it. I mean, that was great. 
Right. Well, I appreciate that, pal. We work, we work hard at it. And you know what? I, I tell guests like yourself, uh, people would never want to listen to me talk for, you know, hours at a time. So we're just, uh, we're just here because of you to have awesome guests like you on our show and tell your story, um, and continuing to tell that story. And thanks for all the kind words, of course, but continuing to tell your story. So when you walked, uh, away from full-time racing as an athlete, um, you almost had to go instantly into supporting Jeremy Lawson's program. Like there wouldn't have been, but maybe a year in between there, maybe, maybe it was right away. Um, and that ended up, I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but that was somewhat factory Honda affiliated supported. Right. So tell me about that. How did you find yourself into kind of leading that program of his? Cause I think that was, that must've been 06. And you said you ended racing full-time in 04. Um, so that was a pretty abrupt shift to going from racer to kind of fielding a race program for a top tier rider. Well, this is what happened when I decide when we decided we were moving to Florida. That's when I quit racing, basically. Mm-hmm. Yep. Maybe a year before that, getting everything ready. Mm-hmm. Come down. Me, we were not going to race. We were done. Ra- we were done racing. We were over. It was over. So I moved okay. to Florida. We started the business. Walt Baum, me, my mom, my dad, and my brother. And and uh, Walt was my uh, my right hand man at the time. Fabricator, welder, great okay. guy. Okay. So we were down here, and what happened was we ended up, we 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 we, I ended up missing it so bad, and then you're right, it was only like the next year that okay. Jeremy Lawson had a factory Suzuki ride, right, and he broke his neck, and he was going to ride under Wayne Henson as a as a satellite rider. Well, things fell through. I don't know the ins and outs. I probably do, but I probably don't. You know, not enough to say it. Right. So we. His mom, who was a very supportive woman, uh, especially to um, to Jeremy's career, he buys him a Honda. And, and, and I called Jeremy, and we're talking, and I said, you know what, man? You get in your truck. You bring that Honda down here. Let's go racing. Oh, wow. So that's what happened. We, we, we did it. Um, we, had some, we had some help. Um, we had some help. Tommy Totillo. Hey, you probably yeah, know Tommy. I do. Yeah. Uh, he was a big, big part of the program. Uh, we went racing. We trained real hard with Don Blue, Blue Rock Construction. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, we really get in that. And, and Jeremy Lawson, it was nobody that trains harder than Jeremy Lawson. And there was nobody that practiced harder than Jeremy Lawson. Okay. And we went to California and he ended up in the first moto running a fifth and that was with all the big boys. Mm -hmm. So the second moto wasn't quite as good. We came back we kept grinding. We did, we did WPSA. We did, Mm -hmm. we did it all. We did every, I bought a truck trailer, a whole nine yards. We did it all. And, and that was my transition from rider to race team owner. Okay. Mm -hmm. And and I say mine, that was Walsh racecraft's transition to Mm -hmm. having to me riding to now having a rider. Right. And, and Jeremy and me and Jeremy had an incredible bond and incredible race relationship. And we ended up doing so well that we got a, a full fat, not a full, but we got a factory supported effort from Honda. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, and his mom helped out on that. She did most of the legwork on, on that deal and got him the Honda ride. Okay. And we went to work again. And Jeremy came out and he was and that's where Chad Wiener made the explosion on mm-hmm. the scene. Yep. And I knew we were going to be the fastest people at, 
out of, out of on a pass. I said, we are going to, we had titanium arms on the bike. We had it all. We and Jeremy was trained. I just knew in my heart that we were going to come out swinging. Well, Jeremy did win the race, mm-hmm. but he didn't win the moto. Mm-hmm. And Chad Weenan gapped everybody by a mile. Mm-hmm. And I was like, holy cow, who is this guy? And of course I knew Chad and, right. and Chad was, and let me tell you guys something. Chad was not Chad that, you know, back then you talked to Chad. He was like a surfer. I mean, I, you know, and I remember <laughs> I could distinctly, my mom talks about Chad to this day about him calling the shot because he was a completely different, I mean, he was the same guy, but he was, he, he wasn't the Chad Weenan. He wasn't the Chad Weenan, you know, he's a different Chad Weenan. I mean, he was he's, a kid. You know, he's grown. Mm-hmm. But it was funny. And then Chad Weenan became that guy that, you know, that, 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 that Jeremiah Jones, that, that Tim yeah. Parr, that Shane Hitt, that you know, you know, that guy, that fastest guy in the world. Mm-hmm. And that was at that same era. That was Oh seven. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. It's, it's funny that that all came to a head at the same time. I mean, yeah. Like Chad has this aura about him. I mean, you just, He's got like this Tom Brady like aura about him, you know. He's just we he's, always say he's, like he's me ridiculous. And Beth always say he's the Tom Brady of football racing. It's the truth. It's the truth. Like I said, he's just so buttoned up. Like everything, it, it, it's just so business like. I mean, he's. I mean, everybody, everybody wants to try to be like Chad. I don't care what anybody says, the way he goes about his, about his business, the way, I mean, just every, all his eyes are dotted, T's are crossed. It's amazing. We'll get into Chad a little bit, but yeah, that, that's, uh, that's awesome to hear about Jeremy, um, especially uh, how it all came together. It just kind of fell, fell into place. And now all of a sudden, you know, you got this race team and you're super successful and Honda supporting it and all that stuff. And, you know, so you bow out as an athlete and now you find yourself, you know, you're supporting a bunch of top racers they're using your product you're you know supporting you know you have this full race team effort and waltz racecraft is growing exponentially even though you weren't doing the racing anymore that had to be a, a ton to juggle at the same time because trying to you know keep this race program going and traveling and going to all these races and doing all this stuff and then also keep the 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 shop in line um you know at the same time like that i, I don't know that everybody understands how big of a deal that is Yeah, you know, it, 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 it's it's kind of the people that had my back made all that possible, okay? okay. So okay. so my brother and my mom and my dad were helping me run the shop. Um, you know, and things were growing. This didn't just, just all manifest in a year or anything, you know? So so there was ages as this all grew and... and, and and came came to fruition so mm-hmm. you know so so yeah i just felt good it was just a good time in my life where i felt like i was in the right spot that i need that that mike walsh needed to be that's where i was and and i loved working with jeremy i loved working with cody gibson i love working with all my riders and it was a gift i honestly feel like i had I had a gift. Everybody we worked with turned to gold and, yes. and in their own little way, you know, yes. and, um, you know, and it, it was just, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm a Christian, but I'm not a, a, um, one of these spiritual spirit, you know, <laughs> I, I, I know where you're going. I understand. I, mean? like, I do. Yep. I do. You know, but it just, it just was working out for me at the time. And, um, 
I guess I had a lot of heart. I had a lot of passion for the sport and for the riders. And I actually had, a. I love the road. I mean, I love being, you know, I'm an, I'm a, I'm an extrovert. Uh, I feel like, um, but it's funny because I live in my shop. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Got no choice. Um, so you just touched on him. You just said his name. Uh, this next subject is one that so many listeners want to hear about. Insurance. It's not something everyone likes to talk about, but let's face it. If you race motocross, it's something you should have. Integrative Financial Concepts is an independent financial service and insurance firm who offers moto friendly insurance and helps out riders like Nick Janusa, Jeffrey Rastrelli, and Joel Hetrick gain confidence on the track. With their unique safe to race and safe to ride programs, if you qualify, they have the ability to offer life insurance with living benefits to those who ride. With these living benefits, you may have the ability to access a portion of your life insurance policy while you're still living for things like cancer, heart attack, stroke, or chronic illness. They can also help with many other things such as home, auto, motorhome, and trailer insurance, as well as college planning, special needs planning, payroll processing, as well as group health benefits for your business. So whether something happens on or off the track, Integrative Financial Concepts has you covered. With their complimentary one-on-one appointments, what are you waiting for? Reach out to Mike Daniele at D-A-N-I-E-L-E underscore Michael at nlgroupmail.com today and see how Integrated Financial Concepts can help you. Living benefit riders are supplemental benefits that can be added to a life insurance policy and are not suitable unless you have the need for life insurance. Riders are optional and may require additional premium and may not be available in all states or on all products. This is not a solicitation for any specific insurance policy. Bikes, Trikes, and Quads LLC has been supplying riders with aftermarket components from the industry's top brands for over a decade. With over 80,000 products in stock for your ATVs, UTVs, metric, and HD motorcycles, dirt bikes, and snowmobiles, Bikes, Trikes, and Quads LLC can tend to all your power sports needs from hard parts to riding gear. Bike Strikes and Quads also offers hard-to-find used parts for your vintage dirt bike, ATV, three-wheeler, or snowmobile. Use discount code ATVMX at www.btqllc.com for 10% off of orders of $100 or more. We're grateful to have Bike Strikes and Quads LLC digging deep with us. Thank you, BTQ LLC. We are proud to be partnered with Gripped Gloves. Gripped is an ATV rider owned and operated brand with a rider in mind and the goal of keeping costs affordable. The Michigan-based family operation recognizes riders' desire to showcase their identity. Owner David Payne's love for eccentric colorways and crazy patterns shows in his product something not often found in the work of big manufacturers. Here to push stereotypes and limitations, Grip's drive is to produce a glove with cool colors and designs that won't break the bank. With comfort and quality as key motivators, the Family Affair is constantly working on the next more innovative and improved glove. Get a grip on life, join the Gripped movement, because no one wants a bland glove. Check them out today at grippedgloves.com, that's G-R-I-P-T gloves.com, and use discount code DIGGINGDEEP10 to save at checkout. Just like the sport of ATV motocross as a whole, our Digging Deep community is brought together by the love for racing that we all share. Our sport is compiled of many great people, and leaving that charge is the Launderville family at Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply. This racing-owned family business is a steel and concrete supplier serving the entire United States. Launderville Steel is a full-service steel supplier of new and surplus steel, aluminum, and stainless steel products headlined by the 4130 chromoly tubing and plate used in the building of chassis for ATVs and UTVs, off-road truck racing, late model dirt and pro tractor pulling series, drag racing, and more. Launderville Steel loves their racing just as much as we do, but don't forget about their concrete division as well. 
With over 25 years of experience, the Concrete Division can supply everything you need to complete your next business or personal project. Their central Midwest location enables LSE to easily serve customers across the United States. For a quote, additional info, answers to more of your questions, or to talk a little racing, head over to LaundrievilleSteel.com or give them a call today. We are proud to be partnered with yet another racer-owned company. Thank you, Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply. Thanks for listening, and remember to support our partners. Now back to the show. You look at the Kid Rock song, you know, he's packing up his game, he's going to head out west. Right. I mean, that's what we do. We, we pack up our game, <laughs> you know, and we head to the track and we bring what we had. Uh, and it was awesome. I love you to know? hear that. I love to hear that. That's you know, awesome. It was great. But, you know, you know, I hate to say it, but those days are, are they've come – They've come to an end for Mike, you know, they've come to an end for me. I love to go into the track. I love going to the track. I love working with Chad, but with the transition that my shop went through with dad passing and me losing one of my right-hand men, um, you know, things changed and, and this is where we are now, but those, those days were awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, we can always relive all those times, uh, you know, so, so that so that part is a good thing. And uh, this next subject, you kind of just said his name, but this next subject is one that so many listeners want to hear about. So tell me the story of how you first got connected with Cody Gibson. Oh, man, I can remember the day I was down here in Florida. Uh, I guess my brother had seen this guy ride or, or saw him at Loretta's. I guess. This guy, you couldn't take anywhere. This guy, you could not take anywhere. It's like taking, the best thing I can say, it's like, all right, so it's like pulling up in a Lamborghini when you were with Cody Gibson. You know, Cody Gibson was that Lamborghini. Basically, you couldn't go anywhere without him drawing a crowd. Everybody loved him. Um, He was tiny. When I first met him, he walked in my shop, and he had a Superman, because I had lost jeremy to can-am so we weren't racing and i said i wasn't going back racing well this kid walks into the shop with his dad with a big superman belt buckle on really long hair and an accent and i didn't even know what he was saying i couldn't even understand the kid (laughs) so they wanted me to yeah i mean it was it was awesome and he wanted me to go watch him ride i said i'll go watch you ride goes uh, and the the dad sits down with me and he's like what what would it take for you to put this guy to bring this kid to the track so i told him what it would take they agreed and then and it was and you know like a lot it was just what it was gonna take to get this program started Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and and the kid i mean we had we butted heads a little bit because cody's he's he's a very I mean, to do what you do, to do what he did on that ATV, you had to be strong headed, right? Right. So yeah. he was very hard headed. Like he wanted to shift the bike a certain way. And I said, yo, you, you cannot shift the bike this way. It's not going to work. You're going to, you know, you're going to leave trainees everywhere. Uh-huh. So, you know, so we worked through stuff and uh, that kid, man, I had so much fun with him. Um, you know, we would, we would do everything together. And um, we just had like a really good friendship. And, um, and I did everything I could to put him in, to put him up front. And that's, he's kind of the reason why we started the Walsh racecraft engine program. Okay. Um, because we needed an in-house program at that time when we had, 
know, we were walking working with Curtis Sparks on the Honda program and a couple of Mike from ATP and a couple other people on the Honda program. Mm -hmm. But on Cody's program, we took that all in-house. And um, and when we did that, we focused on it and we had some money to do that with. Mm-hmm. And um, and we made it and we made it happen. But this kid, I mean, I'm talking about you, the biggest jump he hit first lap. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. and he just do it because he he that was who he was. Yes. He wanted to show you that he was the baddest dude wherever he went. Yeah. And, and, and that's really what it was about. And he and he did. Uh, so the story goes that his, you know, his first year racing nationals, he, you know, he won the A-class title. And the second year, um, you know, he he won eight overalls on his way to a Pro-Am Unlimited championship. And that would have been in 08. So that would have been on the Suzuki at that time yet, right? That's right. Yep. He loved the damn Suzuki and he could ride the crap out of it. That's right. how we developed the hybrid. But, right, right, right. Well, right. actually, that's a whole different story. But this okay. story... So in 09, after he dominated on the Suzuki and it was carbureted, which was really cool. That's when we brought the carburetor to the Suzuki. We did that. We did that with Gibson and, and we, and people don't really know why nobody, like, I don't know what Trump does. I don't know what the government's doing, you know, (laughs) and I'm not, you know, know, trying to mix that stuff, but you don't really know why we're running a carburetor, you know, but it was really for some simplicity. You know, it was really that I didn't want to bring this kid to a track and have problems because mm-hmm. they were having a lot of problems at here and there time. with the injection on the Suzuki at that time. At that time, yes. It was all new. Mm-hmm. And, and plus, you know, the rev box, you know, the black boxes were, were really secretive. There was no vortex at the time yep. and all that. So, you know, we decided to do this and it worked out for us and the bikes made good power. Mm-hmm. But then we start working with Jimmy white and the boys and creamer. Mm-hmm. And that's why creamer run the number nine. He, I, I can remember where I was really. I was that, yes. Okay. I was sitting at, that was my number. Yes. It was the shop. Know? And then it goes on to kind it of be was, the yeah. shop number, you know, but yes. You're pretty, yeah. Cause then, right. Cause then Parker asked creamer for it and yep. creamer relinquished it. But I can remember creamer said, you better not be a slouch. You better go fast. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. So, you know, so anyways, that, yeah, it ended up, well, 97 was the shop number purely because the shop was started, founded in okay. 97. Okay. Right. Okay. So nine became my number because Jason Luberg, I wanted eight. Jason Luberg had dibs on number. That's when everybody was getting a permanent number. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I settled for nine and then I rode my heart out on nine. And then Josh Kawasaki, want, Josh was 270. Yep. And he called himself the 270 love machine. <laughs> and then I, we had pictures, Hank, because like I said, he worked at the shop and stuff. But um, we we got so so Josh called me. I was at Applebee's, I believe, in Lake City. And he called me and he said, he said, uh, he want he, Jimmy White wanted him or Reed or somebody wanted him to have a single digit number. Okay. So he said, I want to have your number. So I said, of course, of course you can have my number. Right. Know, please take it. You know, you're the man. That's so awesome. I didn't did, know that. And you know, he went on to win the championship. So that was really cool. But um so that ties yeah, so, so that that for, that ties uh, in that ties into the Kawasaki's uh for 2009. Right. Um right. and did you guys have factory? So you did because you talked about Jimmy. You yes. had factory support yeah. for 09. We we had we were supporting. 
the fact of team with Walsh Racecraft and Kawasaki supporting Walsh Racecraft and Cody Gibbs. Okay. And, and and I don't even want to numbers. I will bet you. I will bet you. Cody Gibbs is the, was the most successful pro racer financially ever in pro in, in racing. He did very well that year. Kawasaki. Kawasaki stepped up. They really gave him an excellent ride, and he wrote his heart out for Kawasaki. We didn't do so when we made our pro debut under the tent at for for Jimmy and the boys. Mm-hmm. We we didn't perform. I mean, we didn't perform. We weren't ready. We, we didn't perform. But by that time, the history was pretty much already solidified for Cody and Kawasaki and 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 whatever. But it kind of right. So so Cody rode for Cowie. He did very well. He won a lot of races. Oh, you you guys you guys won everything that year. I mean, ten overall wins on your way to titles in both of the pro am classes. At that right. point, at that point, you know, did you so take me into your thinking at that time? Like, were you thinking the sky is the limit with this kid? Because I mean, his natural ability was ridiculous. Uh, so what did you see like? when you thought about him in the pro class, you know, what do you think his pro prospects were like at that time? What were you thinking? Because I just remember thinking to myself, I can't imagine Cody doing anything but contending in the pro class. I mean, at that time that, that seemed like it was obvious. He was so dominant in pro-am. I, it was like, I would have bet every dime I had, which wouldn't have been much then, but I would have bet every dime I had that he was going to be a successful pro. So take me, you know, through that thinking as, you know, kind of before you guys transitioned into the the full-time pro class, but what did you imagine he was going to do when he went pro? Well, this is a good subject. I I don't want to, I do want to be truthful, but I don't, I don't want to take anything away from Cody. Yeah, I don't want to, to to talk negatively about Cody at all because he's arguably probably the most talented person that I've ever witnessed ride in ATV, mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah. Um, but I knew after working with Jeremy Lawson and a, a couple of the other top, top athletes out there, I knew that Cody was not that guy. He was not the guy that was going to go and give you you know, two 40 minute motos, uh, daily and put the gym work in and, and, and all that. He would, he would give you 110% on the track, but off the track, he, he was, he was, uh, he wasn't serious enough, um, to beat a Chad Weenan. Um, sure. but would he beat him for three laps? Probably. Mm -hmm. (laughs) so so do you think that that came from just being so darn naturally talented like because he didn't uh, have he didn't have to work super hard to go as fast as he did if that makes sense right no no it it does and 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 cody is very talented at almost everything he does um so yes i do but i just feel like cody um had other visions i mean his dad was uh, his, uh, his dad was um, successful in uh, home building and, and he come from Tennessee and, and man, I never been to a place like, like his place when I went there. Okay. Uh, definitely. Um, you know, the Hills of Tennessee, uh, like I said, Cody, you know, we are incredibly tight, but he just had a different mentality. Mm-hmm. Cody liked to have fun. All right. So if we were driving down the road and Cody saw a, uh, a steakhouse. I mean, we, we stop, we, we go eat, we have a good time, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah. 
you know, Jeremy wouldn't, you know, Jeremy be sleeping in a hyperbaric chamber, Mm -hmm. you know, because he was that serious. Right. So it's just different mentalities. And and you have to know the rider that you're working with. Like I knew lap for lap that nobody's going to run with Cody, but after 25 minutes, I mean, they're going to run there. He's not going to run that pace. I understand because, you know, Cody would make a few mistakes. I mean, he was just that fast. He could get away with mistakes. Mm-hmm. So to answer, I hope I answer that question. You do. Yeah, you, you do. Uh, I was just curious, like what you were thinking going into that, you know, so, so when, when the pro thing is getting lined up and, and you knew how, how physically, uh, you know, how, how physically maybe that wasn't his strength, but he could ride as fast as anybody. It sounds like you knew that already because it was a shame to like, see what happened. You know, in 2010, you know, Cody goes pro full time and that must've been the Mucin year. Um, it was. But, but, but I mean, that was a disappointment. Like, I don't think that anybody would have guessed that that was going to happen. I mean, two top 10 finishes, uh, you know, he, he ended up, you know, that ended up being his, his career highlight in the pro class, a pair of ninths, which, uh, you know, not two ninths and being 15th in points, isn't Cody Gibson. Like that's not at all what he was capable of. Um, and that, I think that that ruined Cody, you know, he didn't come back for 2011 and he's a guy that, you know, we ended up racing in the years after that, but he's a guy that, you know, like we all knew what he was capable of. And I think that he's a guy I've asked him to come on the show a few times and I, I wish he would because not that, not because I want to grill him. I mean, that's not what I'm, why I'm asking you this, um, um, it's more that I want to give him credit because what we saw in the pro class, like that just wasn't him. Like that wasn't him. He was so, I mean, in the speed we saw before that and the speed we saw after that, we saw what he was capable of and he should be proud of that. Like he's a, he is a legend. So that's why I wanted to get him on here. And I still hope he does um, because people want to hear from him. Like it's not, uh, it's nothing to be ashamed about, I guess is what I'm getting at. No, I mean, you know, I will have Cody's back no matter. I mean, Cody is Cody. Mm-hmm. Just like you said, he's a legend. But yeah. the thing of it is, I mean, he went pro. He, he didn't have a support system. He didn't have Walsh Racecraft, right? He didn't have, you know, he had, he, had, he had a support system, but he didn't have the support system he was used to. Yeah. Um, everything changed for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, he was still on a Suzuki, but B... Cody was a superstar in Pro-Am, right? He had mm-hmm. a factory ride, Kawasaki, you know, he won everything. You know, listen, when you're at the top, there's only one place to go. And that's a, a lot of weight on your shoulders where you're 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 the you're the the hottest thing, you know, you're the hottest thing in the sport. Yeah. And now you gotta back that up and you're on a completely different team, you know. I mean, he, he was a little, he was, he was a kid, you know, mm-hmm. he wasn't, uh, you know, he wasn't a, a 30 year old man or anything, but Cody, right. I got Cody when he was 17, maybe, you know what I, I mean? I, you know, so, and, I, and I always thought of this, Mike, and maybe it's weird to say it like this, but the way I always thought about it is it was a lot, it was James Stewart, like where the pressure and, and everything and the expectations were so high. They were so high that they weren't even realistic. Like I felt bad for Cody for that reason. And they were because they were, and that's really what it was because you can't put anybody in that pro class. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, look at Joel Hetrick, Joel Hetrick, Joel Hetrick, Joel Hetrick's Joel Hetrick. I can't believe, I mean, Chad Wien is Chad Wien, but I can't believe Joel Hetrick doesn't have more championships. I cannot believe that. I like Hetrick, I mean, Chad is Chad. I mean, it, it's, it's crazy because I'm, I'm, I'm good friends with both of them. 
you know, obviously me and Chad have a, a very close relationship, but I mean, Joel is this superpower, superman with two championships. Well, you know, if, and, if, and, if, and, but if Chad wasn't there, Joel would have eight legitimately. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and it, and that's just the whole thing. And, and I've talked and I don't want Joel or Chad to take this in the wrong way. I want the sport to take this in the wrong way, Thank but you. let's look at the sport. If Chad and Joel weren't there, and, and it, it would be so much more exciting. I mean, gate drops, Chad and Joel <laughs> out front. That's it. Race is right. done. But, you at know, the, but at um, the same time, we're seeing two of the greatest ever at the same time. Well, you are. You'll I mean, the, never see anybody ride a four-wheeler like these two guys. And, and the problem is, I mean, we're... It, we, it, it sucks to be... We're lucky, Mike, that we have both of them. Because if we only had one of them, oh. it wouldn't... It, it would suck. Yeah, I mean, for sure. But look at look at... And I love talking this stuff, but, and I know you do too, yeah. but look at my, look at, look at my guys, look at, um, look at Nick Janusa, look, look, look at Ford, you know, look, you know, look at, look at these guys that have been, I mean, look at Ristrelli. These guys have been grinding and that this is just a couple names, you know, yeah. but they are still a long, I hate to say it. They're still a long ways from Joel and Chad. And I, I'm going to put Joel and Chad in the same category I because, agree. Yeah, to me, they are in the same category. They're 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 equal titans of of their day. Yeah, right. You know, it's, um, it's splitting hairs between those guys. It is. I mean, I could tell you a story when me and Chad went and it, and and, and so I, Chad is, so he's so mentally tough. He's just such a mentally tough. We're going into the last moto, right? Mm-hmm. I'm I'm personally rent I'm personally wrenching for Chad. It's just me and Chad. I yeah. mean, and Dan, you know, and all the crew. Yeah. But you know, and but it, so we're going in the last moto, or or the mo, too much. We're at Loretta's, right? And we're we're we, we're we're down in points. And I'm thinking to myself, there ain't no way we're winning. You know, Joel's mm-hmm. chain falls off. Like, but but that's not the point of the the story. The point of the story is, if you were to look at Chad and talk to Chad you would have think he was going into that moto with the points lead. That's how mentally tough he is. I've never, like I was inside. I was, I was, I don't want to say I was already beat, but let's just, let's just say I was already beat going into that last moto. But I mean, I wasn't going to leave a bull or a nut. You know, I mean, I was very meticulous. I'm a very meticulous person. And sure. you know, that bike was going to be as good as it could be. But in my heart, I'm thinking there's no way we're coming out of here with the title. And this dude goes and gets it. In my mind, he never thought twice that he wasn't the champ. That's how crazy it was. Right. For me, it was a it was a personal experience for me that I'll never forget. <laughs> right. I believe it. So we have a ton of content. You know, we, we haven't even finished the, the Gibson topic. We got, you know, we got Chad coming up and we need to talk Joel Hetrick. We have a million things to go yet. Uh, what do you say we, we hit pause on this thing for now? So that, you know, we can come in full blazing for the second part of this interview. Uh, you know, we can record it next week or whatever. How does that sound? Is that all right? That sounds awesome. That sounds yeah. great. Yeah, let's do let's that. Do it. I, I love this show. Like, you, you, yeah. you're killing it with the content. And, and I'll, whenever you need me, like, you want to do it next week, whatever, just let me know. I'll be there. Yeah, let's do that, Mike, because uh, we have so much fun stuff to talk about yet. In, in the first, uh, you know, kind of segment here, you know, we, we covered a bunch of year racing in the early days of Walsh, but I don't want to have to race through all the stuff, the great stuff I got that, you. that we have yeah. left. So let's just hit yeah. pause on this thing 
and we'll, uh, yeah. and we'll, and we'll pick it up um, next week for, for another episode. I think that that's the best way to handle this. Let's do it. Awesome. Well, Mike, I appreciate, I appreciate you doing this so much. Uh, I think like you said a few times, you enjoy doing this stuff just as much as I do and uh, look yeah. forward, look forward to the second installment of this thing. Awesome. Thank you for having me on the show, Cody. Thanks so much, Mike. We'll be in touch. I'll see you. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks again. Bye. To be continued. What an epic conversation. And I can confidently say I think the best is yet to come in part two. Next week, you'll hear more about Mike's time with Cody Gibson and Cody's return to ATV racing. When Nick DeNoble had the best season of his career as a fill-in rider for the Walsh team, Parker Weworka, the major role Mike had in the development of Chad Weenan's program from day one to present, wrenching for the now eight-time champ and being named Mechanic of the Year, some current racing talk, and so much more. Major thanks to tonight's guest, Mr. Mike Walsh. Thanks to producer Dallas Jansen, my brother, for all his hard work. Thanks to Brooke and AMA official Harv Whipple. Thanks to our donors. You know who you are. We appreciate you so much. Thanks to our newest partner, Binky's Forever ATC Museum. So grateful for those guys. Thanks to all of our partners, CST Tires, shop.csdtires.com. Yamaha, thanks to Blue Crew. Thanks to Valvoline, SSI decals, DID Racing Chain, Namira Technologies, Bronco ATV and UTV Components, Impact Solutions, Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply, the financial advice of Haymower Financial Group, Forworks Carbon, DP Brakes, Gripped Gloves, Factory 43, Bike Strikes and Quads LLC, Integrated Financial Concepts and their Safe to Race and Safe to Ride insurance programs, Manscaped, get 20% off and free shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. And again, thanks to Binky's Forever ATC Museum. You'll hear their official ad starting on next week's show. So stay tuned for that. Support the brands that support our show and don't forget to use those codes to save. Find it all on our website and be sure to click those Rocky Mountain ATVMC and Amazon banners for all your gear and parts needs, everyday needs, and to help us out. And most of all, thanks to you guys for listening. Need more gift ideas? Our show merchandise, including Digging Deep shirts and hoodies, our Quad Guys Get Hot Chicks shirts and hoodies, back-to-back national champ merch, and more are all available today at shop.diggingdeepatvmx.com. If you're looking for another easy way to help support us, visit our website and click the Patreon or Buy Me a Coffee buttons. This allows you to set up a one-time or monthly contribution to support our efforts. Keep sending your questions, stories, and topics in to be featured on an upcoming episode. Don't hesitate to call into our voicemail line so we can play them on the show. That number is 920-569-3519. You can follow the show on social media, Digging Deep ATBMX Podcast, and myself, Cody Jansen, for additional content coverage and more fun stuff throughout the offseason. As for the podcast, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Wherever you find podcasts, you'll find the Digging Deep ATBMX Podcast. All episodes, additional podcast providers, sponsor links, and discount codes, our show merchandise, fantasy info, and more can all be found on our website, diggingdeepatvmx.com, so check that out today. Please be a friend, tell a friend, download, subscribe, rate, review, and share. And with that, 
for Mike Walsh, Brooke Catherine, Dallas Jansen, and I'm your host, Cody Jansen. Thanks for listening to the number one podcast in ATV Racing, 3 million downloads and counting. Until next time, thanks for joining us in digging deep with the stars of ATV Motocross. See you next week for part two with Mike Walsh right here on the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast. Take care. Things are crashing and burning here at the Digging Deep Podcast, much like the Titanic. Those guys were hauling ass, for real. I remember watching Doug Gus, I don't know who it was, Steel City, running the same times Friday afternoon as James Stewart was on Sunday back then. It was mental. I've never seen quads go that fast. Quad leaders are freaking gnarly.